today we're starting a new series called Equipped. And uh, I'm excited about this series. And this series represents um, an important element of studying scripture, whether it's on our own or in the church. So sometimes when we study scripture, we need to take a broad view of it. We need to read a big chunk at once to give us a sense of what the story of scripture is saying to us. So we have to look at the story of scripture and kind of stretch it out so that we can see, we can have some consistency in the story of what God is saying in the Bible. So in my own life, this sometimes looks like reading maybe a whole book of the Bible in one day. Normally a short book, okay? I'm not going to try to read Leviticus in one day because it's very tedious. But, uh, but sometimes we need to take a zoomed-in view of Scripture. Sometimes we need to take a portion of Scripture and zoom way into it and spend time studying that short portion because what that does is it helps us to understand what our lives are supposed to look like as Christians and what our church is supposed to look like as Christians. We have to have both a broad view and a very narrow view of Scripture. We have to study it both ways. So at some point, of the year, we will take broad views, but for the next few weeks, we are going to zoom in on one passage in the book of Ephesians. Now, the book of Ephesians is largely about the miracle of Christ handing over to the church to us as believers and instructions about what that means. What does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to live out the miracle of what the church was birthed to be? And in Ephesians 4, Paul starts to give us some very practical instructions. And this is going to be the passage we'll be zooming in on over the next five weeks. So Paul starts in verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. What Paul is saying is God has a plan for your life. God has a part to play in this thing that we call church. God has a part for you to play in what the kingdom looks like on earth. And we need to live worthy of that calling. Paul is saying we need to live with integrity and personal holiness so that we can own this calling God has given us. Paul is saying let the weight of that calling inform your choices and inform your life. He goes on and says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Paul says, your calling is not about a title, it's not about a platform, and it's not about the honor it brings you. Your calling is about serving other people. He says, your calling should always be lived out with humility and gentleness and patience. And that means without arrogance, that means without harshness, and that means without hurry. We have to bear with one another. He goes on, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of of all. Are you sensing a theme here? Uh, One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What Paul is saying is that we are one church. We are all moving in the same direction. Your calling is not just about you. 
Your calling is not just about your own passions and your own dreams and your own path. Because God hasn't called any of us to be a lone ranger, to use an American illustration. Forgive me. We're all working toward the same goal. We are one church with diverse callings to make that happen. And he goes on and shows us how that happens here in verse 7. Paul says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Within the one church, there are different grace and gifts. So Christ himself, this is the passage we're going to be really focusing on. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness in Christ. We're going to take the next few weeks and talk through those five ministry gifts in verse 11. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. We call these the five-fold ministry gifts. Five-fold ministry gifts. Now, I say this often. This list is not exhaustive. Every believer, every person who is a follower of Jesus is given a gift to help move the church forward, to help equip the church But these five roles are people who have received a special calling and a special anointing to move forward the cause of the church. So as we explore these callings each week, maybe you will think of someone in this church or in a church you've been a part of that has carried that calling. And maybe for some of you, over the next five weeks, God will call you into one of these roles. Or God will reveal to you a way in which he has gifted you to move the church forward as outlined in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Why does God do this? It says right there in verse 12, to equip the people for works of service so that the church may be built up. This is not about fulfilling my own dreams, but fulfilling Christ's mandate of building the church. So we have a graphic for this series, which is a pack full of hiking gear. Um, This was Jeanette's idea. I don't hike. Um, We have some young people at the church who like to go out on hikes together. I don't go with them, I'm sorry to say. But if you're going out on a hike or if you're going on any kind of journey, you have to make sure that you have the right equipment. You can't take all of one piece of equipment. You have to have diverse pieces of equipment so that you can move forward. And the church is the same way. In order for the church to move forward, it has to be equipped with diversity. So this week, we're going to be looking at the first of that list, which is the role of apostle. Apostle simply means one who is sent. The word has a Greek uh, root, meaning one who is sent. And this wasn't a new concept in the New Testament. Uh, In the Old Testament, there was the concept of someone that had power of attorney or a legal representative. And so this idea of someone being sent on someone else's behalf has been around for a long time. And I want to turn to the book of Acts chapter 16 and take a little look at, uh, at what Paul did as an apostle. And this story contains so much of what it is to be an apostle. In Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 5, it says, Paul and his companions traveled. I'm going to get these city names wrong, okay? I'm not Greek. Forgive me. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. 
When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. This is, this is notable because what this means is the apostles are not just forming their own plan and going wherever they want. They're sensitive to the leading of the Lord, and they're sensitive when the Holy Spirit closes a door. It would be easy for them to force their way through, but Paul shows us we have to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. Verse 8, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed, sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. Purple cloth was like the most expensive uh, clothing that someone could have. And she was dealing this purple cloth. She was very wealthy. She would have had a lot of business connections and would have had connections throughout the world there. Uh, A dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And then some other things happen, like Paul and Silas go to prison. There's this whole kerfuffle. And then in verse 40, it says, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them, and then they left. If you've heard of the book of Philippians in the Bible, this was written to the church in Philippi, which was started because Paul was rerouted by the Holy Spirit. See, apostles are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but they're always on the move. They're called to go out from where they are, and they respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit in that way. God is faithful to bring the places and people that we are meant to reach into our paths when we think we're just going about our business. Paul was not being super uh, strategic about the fact that he went down to the river. It was the Sabbath. He was looking for some people to pray with. But this was God's plan. This was God's plan for the spread of the church, and Paul was ready to follow. Um, People who are called to be apostles are usually risk takers. They're entrepreneurs. They're people who are energized by risk. They're people who are uh, energized by the unknown and by new things. They love to go into really difficult places and see the church planted there. These are usually people that we want to follow because they're so energized about the work that God has called them to do. Uh, So I want to talk through a few ways that we can know an apostle when we see one. And as you hear these things, um, I want you to be sensitive to the Lord because I believe that God has... God has called apostles still today. God is still calling apostles. And God might move on your heart as I share some of these things. And he might start to speak to you about your own life. The first way we can know um, an apostle is that they are sent by God. They are sent by God. And they're sent by other believers. In Acts chapter 13, it says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. 
While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I had called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. See, apostles didn't just go because they had an idea. They went because the calling in their heart was confirmed by the body of believers around them. Some of you are from church traditions uh, where maybe you don't hear the word apostle used very often. I, I didn't hear it used very often growing up except for when we were talking about the apostles in the Bible. Some of you come from church traditions where someone has it on their name tag, you know, apostle, you have pastor so-and-so, and apostle so-and-so, and prophet so-and-so, and some people introduce themselves as apostles. We always have to be discerning about who people are and where they come from, because we always have to protect our hearts from the message that people bring to us, okay? One way that you can know an apostle is you can ask them, what church do you come from? Whose spiritual authority are you under? Barnabas and Saul, who we later call Paul, they came out from a body of believers. They weren't in rebellion against their home church. They were sent out and covered by their home church. It's very important as an apostle to be under a spiritual covering and be part of a Christian community that can help you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 15, verse 8, uh, the council at Jerusalem wrote a letter to the believers, and they used the phrase, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. See, when God puts a calling on your life, or when God calls you to do something crazy like sail all around Greece and go into Asia and share the gospel and everything Paul was asked to do, you have to have other spirit-filled believers that can help you determine whether you're hearing right. And you have to submit yourself to the community and consider, the, uh, consider what the Spirit is saying to other people. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. We're not meant to do this alone. Paul describes himself over and over again as an apostle sent by God. If you read the first line of all of the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, he's constantly saying, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle sent by God. I'm Paul, an apostle called by God. I'm Paul, graced to be an apostle by the Lord Jesus Christ. This was not his own idea. This was God's call on his life. Apostles are normally led into places where Satan has previously had reign and where the enemy's presence is currently prevailing. That's what apostles do. They go into the dark places. They go into the places that everybody else is either scared of or has overlooked. In Romans chapter 15, verse 20, Paul says, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Now this might mean they go to a foreign country, like a missionary. This might mean that they go to their own city, to a place or a people that nobody else wants to go to, or no one else is paying attention to. Apostles always go to the place with the greatest need for the gospel. One modern-day apostle that I know and I'm grateful for is named Robbie Bradford. And Robbie Bradford had a vision from God to start an international church on the west side of Paris. 
He, he was flying over, he was flying, I think, from Belgium back to the U.S. And as the plane crossed the ocean, God gave him a vision and a dream to see an English-speaking church planted on the west side of Paris. And he went to his leadership and he said, we've got to do this. God is leading me to plant this church. And the leadership said, no, it's impossible. It's too expensive in Paris and it's too secular there. And this is not a good idea. Why don't you go somewhere else? So Robbie went to Holland and started a church there. And the church started growing and thriving. And Robbie came back to the leadership and he said, I did what you asked me to do. Now it's time to plant an English-speaking international church on the west side of Paris. And the leadership said, ah, it's too expensive. It's too hard. There's other churches in Paris already. And Robbie fought for what God had called him to do. And he moved here, and he worked through all the bureaucracy to start a French association. And he recruited a team because God had put a dream in his heart to see a church started on the west side of Paris. And you know, six months after the church started, Robbie and his family had to return to the U.S. He didn't get to experience the fruit of his labor, but that's what apostles do. Apostles have such a deep love for the people that they're called to, that they're sent to them, and they go, and they take risks, and they lead the charge. And I'm so thankful for the work of Robbie and for the work of modern-day apostles in our world. These guys know how to hear from God. People who are called to be apostles have a mandate to learn the voice of God. They have a mandate to learn to sense the will of God in their lives. Because the second thing that marks an apostle is that they are willing to sacrifice. They're willing to make big sacrifices. The truth is that going into dark places to do the work of God is not for the faint-hearted or for those who are not called. Apostles are willing to pay a great price to serve in this role. If they're going to places where evil is prevailing, they have to expect a spiritual backlash from that place. And they're willing to go through with that. In Acts chapter 5 and throughout the New Testament, the apostles, they're arrested, they're imprisoned, and they're physically beaten. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is addressing the Corinthian church, and he's talking about these leaders that think a lot of themselves, these apostles who come in with a name tag, apostle so-and-so, and they talk big about their ministry. And Paul says this, this is kind of a, it's kind of a funny passage, it's kind of terrible, but uh, chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says, I have worked much harder than those guys have worked. I have been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. It sounds great to be an apostle, doesn't it? I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? 
Paul is saying, look, this life of an apostle, it's not about a platform. It's about being willing to give everything, your home, your money, even your own body, to see the gospel advanced. And he tells us why a few chapters before this. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul is saying, I'm willing to give my body for the cause of Christ. They're willing to do whatever it takes so people can come to know Christ. The third marker of an apostle is that they are skilled at adaptation. They're skilled at contextualizing the gospel. Um, in the 60s and in the early 70s in the U.S., there was, a, there was a movement and a group of people that were referred to as the Jesus people. The Jesus movement was something that happened in the U.S. Um, back in the 60s and 70s. And what happened was these guys looked at the church and they saw so much irrelevance to the younger generation. So they started singing songs about Jesus. They started churches and they would sing songs and they would play guitars. Oh, man. And all the churches were like, well, you can't be a Christian and play the guitar. What is this? This is devil music, you know. And the guys would wear jeans and grow their hair long. And what happened was, all of these young people who thought the gospel was irrelevant saw people who looked like them telling them that the gospel was for them, and Jesus was relevant to their lives. They would go to rock concerts and hang out with these kids that were strung out, and they were just a mess, and they would sing songs and be like, oh, it looks like the drugs are really working out for you. Why don't you give Jesus a try? They would sing songs against all the things in the culture, and they would connect with the younger generation through that. And because of that, a bunch of guys my dad's age are serving the Lord passionately to this day. Because there were apostles who knew how to make the gospel relevant to the next generation. They're skilled at adaptation. The apostles moved from culture to culture, and they were really good at contextualizing the gospel. In Acts chapter 17, Paul goes to Athens, and it says as he walked around the city... He saw all of these idols. He was waiting for the other apostles to arrive. He saw all of these idols around the city, and it was really disturbing to him. And so he started sharing the gospel with people, and he ended up in the Areopagus, which was a court. And they said, what are you teaching our people? And Paul gets up, and he says, oh, I can see that you are very religious people. And the guys were probably like, ah. Oh. We feel so good about ourselves, you know? And in verse 23, Paul says, For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. And he goes on to give a clear presentation of the gospel. Paul was so good at walking into a context and immediately figuring out how he needed to present the gospel to make it relevant and understandable. This is what apostles do really well. It's important for us to support the work of apostles in the church. Many of us are not called to be apostles. And after reading 
Paul's words in 2 Corinthians. I'm not going to say I'm not grateful for that. Um, But a lot of us are not called to this, or maybe we are called, but we're at a point in our lives where we can't functionally go. If you're married and you have young children, please don't sail off and get yourself killed. Okay, that's not what I'm saying to do. There might be a time in your life where God calls you to that, but all of the church is responsible to support the work of the apostles because they are vital to the life of the church. And I'm going to challenge you today to get involved in one of three ways when it comes to apostles in the church today. The first thing we need to do is we need to pray. We have to pray for the apostles. That might not sound like much, but it's actually super important. We need to pray for the apostles. The first thing we need to do is pray for their safety. We need to pray for the safety of those going into dark places. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, We don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles, troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Uh, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. God has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on, your, on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. And then in Philippians chapter 1, he says, I will continue to rejoice in my sufferings, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. There are people going into places in the world where they are putting their lives on the line to share the gospel of Jesus. I'm really excited. Um, We're trying to nail down right now a date in February where um, a family that I'm good friends with who are missionaries in Iraq are going to come and share with us. Um, They're a couple. They have four young kids, and they're starting a church in Iraq. They're, They're putting a lot. They're sacrificing a lot to be there, and their safety is in question sometimes. We have to pray for the people who are going into the dark places. And we have to pray for their effectiveness. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul writes, Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly. See, the apostles are not meant to carry the spiritual work alone. They often have to carry the physical work alone. They go by themselves into places. They leave a lot of stuff behind. But they're not meant to carry the spiritual work alone. It's the entire church's job to pray for them. The second thing I want to challenge you with is to give to the work of the apostles. We all need to be giving to the work of the spread of the gospel around the world. Uh, In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes about the Macedonian churches. And he says, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Isn't that an incredible attitude about giving? They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. We have to give to see the gospel spread throughout the world. I'm here today because there's people in the U.S. who have had their hearts moved by the spiritual need in Paris. The reason that I don't take a salary from the church is because there are donors in the U.S. who give to see the work of the church pushed forward. Suzanne is here the same way. Jeanette is here the same way. We're here 
because people give. And it would be wrong of us as a church not to continue that and pay that forward and give so that the message of the gospel can be heard throughout the world. And, uh, and he goes, Paul goes on to say, you excel in everything. You excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, in love. I also need you to excel in giving. And he says in verse 12, if the willingness is there, this is important, the gift is, accept- is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So that means if you have, give. If you don't have, don't feel guilty because you can still participate by praying for people. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And then in Romans 10, this is such an important passage from Paul. He says, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the best news in the Bible. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one that they have never heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We're all called to sacrifice to see the work of the gospel spread throughout the world. The apostles are called to sacrifice their homes and maybe leave their families back home, maybe called to sacrifice their bodies or their physical health. The rest of us are called to sacrifice some financially to see the work of the gospel spread throughout the world. This is a mandate that God gives us. This is something I practice in my own life. I tithe each month, and in addition to my tithe, I support several missionary families because I want to be a part of what God is doing throughout the world. I want to be a part of that. I want to get credit for that. I believe that the people who give so that I can be here will share in the credit of what God does in and through the Bridge International Church. God has called us all to participate. All of us are meant to sacrifice. And the third thing that God is calling some of us to do is to go, is to become an apostle, to go. The truth is that God is still calling apostles. The time of the apostles didn't end uh, at, the, at the end of the New Testament. You know, he's still calling men and women who are willing to be risk takers and agents of change in the darkness. God is still calling people to leave places of comfort, to leave home and to go into places with no representation of the gospel and push back the darkness. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, Matthew chapter 9, Verse 35, Matthew records this moment. He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Look, we're never led by the opportunity for a platform. We're led because we have such a deep compassion and burden for people that we are mandated to go and share the good news of Jesus with them. It says that Jesus looked at the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's the heart that apostles have to have. 
It's not a thing of like, oh, these people, I guess they can't make it for themselves, so I got to come in here and fix all their problems. Or like, these uneducated idiots over here can't figure out Christianity, so I guess I'm going to go, you know, be the smart guy and, and fix their problems. We're mandated to go as apostles because we have such a deep burden and a deep compassion for people. And Jesus says here that there will be those who are called as apostles who don't go. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest for more workers. We have to pray for more people who are willing to say yes to this mandate from Jesus. The truth is that it's a hard life. It's a hard life to choose. But they're led by their deep love for lost people. The truth is that Jesus exemplified each of the five uh, ministry gifts. And as we go through these each week, we'll look at how Jesus himself led us into this. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 that Jesus gave these gifts to the church. Jesus gave the apostles to the church. And Jesus gave the prophets and the evangelists. And the reason Jesus could give these things is because he contains them. You can't give something you don't have. Jesus contains each of these ministry roles himself. And he grants them to the church. The lead apostle is not Paul. The lead apostle is Jesus. And we learn how to be apostles by watching Jesus. See, apostles have to be disciples first. Every apostle has to be a disciple first. Before we can be a good apostle or a good prophet or anything like this, we have to be a good disciple. And we have to long to follow Jesus. As an apostle, Jesus was sent He was sent from the Father. Uh, It says in John chapter 6, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus says, I was sent to you. The Father's love for you was so great that I left my home in heaven to come here and to tell you the good news that you follow me, you look to me, and God has eternal life in store for you. Jesus was willing to give everything up. He was willing to sacrifice. Jesus gave his life. He gave his life so that we could be reconciled to God the Father. He was willing to give up everything. And Jesus was really good at contextualizing the gospel for people. We see the story of the woman at the well, and, and she's sitting there, and Jesus said, you know what? I'm the living water. You drink from the living water, and you'll never thirst again. He took advantage of the moment he was in and the culture he was in to share the truth of what she was missing. We're going to prepare to take communion together this morning. Because another thing Jesus did is that at the Passover... Jesus used the bread and the wine to give us a lasting symbol of his sacrificial love. He took something that was familiar to the Jewish people, which was the Passover meal, and he said, I'm going to use this moment to remind you of the sacrifice that I'm going to make for for you. Would you stand with me this morning? Hey, this is Kelly, lead pastor of the Bridge International Church. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from The Bridge. If you'd like more information about The Bridge, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, 
visit us at thebridgeparis.com. 